This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Nathan here. A quick message to say you can start collecting world-class players and more in Top's Kick, the official digital collectibles app of the UEFA Champions League. Now, if you're like me and you're into Champions League football, start collecting and trading your favourite players from across the tournament with fans around the world, you know, build a squad of top players including Mo Salah, Harry Kane, Phil Foden, Virgil van Dijk, Erling Haaland, the list goes on, and compete with those players in real-time scoring contests. The app has new packs available every week featuring brand new cards, original artwork, classic tops card designs, and the key mission will be completing sets to earn awards and combine your common cards. I'm starting to get the hang of that now, guys. Combine your common cards, level up your collection. Tops Kick 23 is available worldwide and the app is free to download in the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that, let's get on with the show. Hello, Croissant. Thank you for joining us once again on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. K Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. We're going to Coventry. K Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> Still top of the league and into the third round of the cup. A new cop is on the way, no matter if we are levelling up. At the time of recording, levelling up details haven't been published. They might be during the podcast record. We don't know. We will cover that and Wrexham's win over Farnborough over the next hour or so. I've got a cold. Nafe's got one too. How else are you doing though, mate? Yeah, I feel like I'm various different temperatures and I'm just ploughing on through for the podcast. But, you know, it's one of them. I'm sure it'll be right as rain come York on Saturday. I've got that kind of... I'm, I'm edging closer to that Sean Deitch gravelly voice I think okay my voice is just getting deeper and deeper by the day so other than that look we're top of the league into the third round of the cup I can't complain Rich exactly I mean we still found a way to complain we uh <laughs> did, did a twitter spaces during the cup draw on Monday night I hosted that spoke for far too long long sorry covered everything twice and three times really 
Coventry away. I mean, we will get into the cup draw, but maybe we should just tackle it now, Naif. I mean, how? what's your reaction to that? I mean, it wasn't the tie we wanted. Phil Parkinson's come out himself and said, you know, that it maybe wasn't the glamour tie that, that we were all asking for, but a mid-table championship side who were in decent form, it's a real good test. And it's just about the first time, in my eyes anyway, almost since the takeover, that we go into a game as rank outsiders and as underdogs. Yeah, I don't think you can really make much of an argument that we were massive underdogs when we lost to Harrogate in the FA Cup last season. Um, you know, very little between the sides. They'd not long been promoted um, to League Two. And, and, you know, given our investment, I don't think we were... Even though we changed that squad, we had people like Cam Green playing in that game and he'd freshened it up, I still think you know, we had enough in there to, to go and get a result. And it was, you know, dreadful conditions. And with that poor back pass by Luke Young ends up uh, proving costly. I think it was Rob Lainson in goal then that day, was it? Um, yeah, it was just, that was just a nightmare day. Um, but Coventry, yeah, it's not... It's it's not the uh, it wasn't the glamour draw. I, I was in the office listening to it with a load of Tottenham fans, and I'd said before, you know, Spurs away is the dream. They ended up getting Portsmouth. We nearly ended up getting pulled out alongside Boreham Wood, which would have been horrendous. I think we one off, one, weren't we? Yeah, one off. Seven, yeah, they got Accrington, which for me would have yeah. been about a ten minute away day. So I was a bit annoyed by that. But a new ground to go to, a proper ground to go yeah. to as well. Really good. And a test. Get about Four and a half, five thousand reds there. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. A free hit. The league's the priority. It always will be. It always was going to be regardless of who we got in the next round of the cup. We're in the hat. No one's expecting us really to win. So why not? Why not? It's, Let's it's just a go champ- for it. It's, and... a, it's a test against a championship team, which I think I'm really fascinated to see. They'll play, you know, we'll play strongest, our strongest team. What team they play, I'd be really interested to see. You know, do they go full strength? They look in decent nick. I think they've got, in the space of about 21 days, I think Colin Boot, who listens to the podcast and uh, famously sat, uh, saved your Ultrangham away day when he got your ticket uh, last season, he said they've got something like 21, across, across three weeks, they've got to play Swansea, Cardiff and Wrexham. So it might be a Welsh takeover in, in, in Coventry. I know we'll be backed in good numbers. Like you say, I'm I'm just really intrigued, Rich, to see. I've seen some Coventry fans on Twitter you know, already trying to poke fun at Disney FC and, you know, how it's not the draw they wanted either. I think for both teams, both wanted a, a glamour Premier League tie. But there we are. I, I think we've got a real chance because you just you just never know. We've got players, if, if our squad is, as we say it is, littered with League One players, there shouldn't really be a massive gulf quality-wise between, between the two sets of players, really. If you think about it that way, I think Aaron Hayden... Um, you know, will I guess it be the Rob only, by that point? only concern from my point of view is that we are much worse away from home. I, I know maybe the stats yeah. don't always back that, but big games away well, from home. We're favourites away from home, but, no, but usually we're favourites away from home, which I think, you know, Coventry, will, Coventry won't be able to sit back and, and let Wrexham dictate the ball at, at their ground. Surely not. And I'm really interested as well, you know, De- Big Den, Big Dennis Lawrence on the coach and staff at Coventry. You know, I'm sure he'll... He'll be educating people on on Wrexham. Coventry will be educating people on Wrexham and their cup pedigree, and you know famous famous nights in the FA Cup. And I'm sure he'll be warning against complacency. It'd be really really interesting, Rich. It'll be um, I'm looking forward to going. Even if there's rail strikes that weekend, and I know people will be trying to get there from from all over the country. So we could have a a, a host of support coaches going. I think. Of course, 2019, Dennis Lawrence turned down the Wrexham job as well. 
um, he, was he still at Trinidad and Tobago, wasn't he? Um, he said, you know, Wrexham is in my heart. Trinidad and Tobago is my home. It's like your brother and sister having an argument. I had to make ah. a decision to continue with the job I started with Trinidad. I, I was comfortable to make that decision, but it was a difficult one for me. Um, you know, there will be, you know, plenty of nice reunions there and, and a lovely yeah. sort of a tale, the type of tale you get from from the FA Cup, really. But how we got to the third round of the NAIF, Farnborough at home over the weekend, you'd been to do your scout report. I thought your scout report was very accurate. They were lobbing balls into the box. They had some good forwards as well. But in the end, Wrexham's quality and particularly the quality of Paul Mullen got us over the line. But a game that was marred by that nasty injury for Jordan Davis, perhaps not as bad as first feared. It looked like it could have been an ACL, which you know puts you on the, the brink of a year to nine months out. But mm. He will be out for three months now. But before we get on to Jordan, the actual game itself, what did you make of Wrexham's performance? I thought what I said, and without giving myself too much a pat on the back, uh, I, I thought it was pretty accurate. You know, they went for the long throws. I thought their pace in behind troubled Tonicliffe in particular. I thought he, he didn't know quite whether to, in that first half in particular, I don't think he quite knew how far he could be stretched out, really. And McFadden was bombing on and the spacing behind the wing-backs, and I thought even though they, they shuffled their pack and Michael Fernandez didn't start, but I thought they, they did cause problems. And really, there was one in the first half, uh, I think it was Pendlebury, he's put through and he, and he slots it straight at Howard. And really, he's got to be scoring that in a game like that in front of the tech end. They were the better team in that first half. I mean, look, Jack Turner and goal for them makes a number of brilliant saves. Um, Jordan Davis, we'll get on to he made you know two great attempts in front of the cop and, and they were miraculously saved. I just thought we looked we looked a little bit disjointed. We just didn't quite and I know it was Dolby up front when Palm was on the bench and, you know, the bench we had, Rich, phenomenal and, and that eventually told as the game went on. But yeah, I just felt like the team lacked a bit of balance. Lee and Davis in there again together didn't didn't quite look right in that midfield battle. We d- we seemed to be losing it in that area. And then McAlinden again he's so He's, he's, he's such a left-footed player that I, I just don't think he offers that threat on the outside, on the right. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was a tough watch in that first half. But second half, I mean, Paul Mullin, what can you say? I mean, harsh on Farnborough, really. But that's the way, that's the way it goes. Unfortunately, you're going to come up against quality players like Mullin and, yeah, 50, 50 goals, 51, and then 52. I mean, seemed to be getting... Each one got better and better, I thought. To say it has not been... A fair reflection at all, 3-1. They've contributed so much, but they're going to concede another, and inevitably, it's a hat-trick for Paul Mullen. A half in which he did nothing in the first 45 minutes. He now illuminates the game with a second-half trio. Absolutely, and East, yeah, I mean, for me, it's so difficult to choose the best goal at a game, isn't it? There were so many different types of goal. I mean, Elliot Lee, you're not going to get bored of seeing a ball hit that beautifully, are you, into, into the That's top the one for me. With that pace. That's the one for me. I loved the third goal. I loved the precision, the speed of that counter-attack. McFadzian, I thought, really good. Uh, again, for yeah, him. Very two good. assists that day. I know that there's a lot of love for Jacob Mendy Mendy, rightfully so. Um, but, yeah, particularly, I think McFadzian has been getting, a, you know, going under the radar a bit and, deserves deserves credit for that 
yeah, Paul Mullen. I mean, we were going to have a debate, weren't we? As we do every week, not just about how much we love Paul Mullen, because everyone knows, you know, that we we are madly in love with Paul Mullen. But where does he rank now? Because we've said since the start, there's an argument for lots of fans to say he's their favorite ever Wrexham player. He's he's up there for me because the the live moments he's given me, those the Stockport goal, Halifax away just these moments that will live with me forever, no matter what Wrexham go on to achieve. That, that is him solidified. But 52 goals now. He's only been here less than a year and a half. He's already talking up the century. He's happy here. There's no sort of foreseeable reason why he would leave. You're looking at the, the top 10 goal scorers of all time. Andy Morell is 10th on the list with 92 so Paul Mullen is 40 goals behind Andy Morrell. Where? Just where can Paul Mullen end up? Well, I mean, let me run through the top 10 um, for people who don't know off the top of their heads. Like you say, you, you just said there, Morrell in at 10, 92 goals. In number 9, you've got Billy Ashcroft, 96. 8, you've got Albert Kinsey, 99. 7, you've got Tommy Bannon, 100. 6 is Rob Hewitt, 111. 5, Super Gary Bennett. 114. Four, you've got Graham Whittle, who's on 117. King Carl Connolly in at number three with 133 goals. And the top two, you should probably know, Arvon Griffiths at number two with 142. And the uh, absolutely marvellous, imagine if he was playing now in this era with social media and all the highlights and goals, Tommy Bamford, number one, with 207 goals. So realistically... Where where can Mullen get on that list? You know, can he get 120 goals? That would slot him in behind Bamford, Griffiths, Connolly, and then Mullen. I mean, that is talking about company. You know, icon icons, legends. Bamford, Griffiths, Connolly, all all incredible. Gary Bennett, 114. Can he get more than Gary Bennett? Uh, 114 goals. He's what is he? 52 behind that. No, 62 behind that. So. Never say never, Rich. I I think he could probably slot inside that top five. I think yeah. I mean, hundred and twenty would get him to to fourth, and that's three goal, thirty goals a season for four consecutive seasons. I think he'll do that in back to back campaigns, basically, won't he? For last season and this, hopefully, fingers crossed. Promotion. He's already proven that he can do it at the level above. So you're looking at realistically, he will be. He could be pushing a hundred goals. From his first three seasons at the club, if everything what? goes well, he stays at. How many? How many free. does he end up on? How many does he end up on at the end of this season? Come what may, when it when it's all said and done, he's on fifty-two he, now. What what can you sort of say? Sixty, sixty-two. I think sixty-five. I mean, sixty-five. That's only, that's only thirteen more goals between now and the end of the season. That, it seems very. It seems like a pretty safe bet to me that. And with I the end of so. November now when we record this, so you know, plenty of football still to be played. Exactly. So and the rate he does, you know, he takes penalties as well. He's take he can take the odd free kick. He'll have games where he gets two or three. I yeah, I think Paul Mullen will end the season with sixty five or seventy goals in total for Wrexham and then, you know, one more good campaign, he's up to a hundred. And then it's just how many more you can add from there. There's so much mitigation though, isn't there? And for Paul Mullen, he wants the goals. It's that hunger which makes him such a good player. But from Rexon's point of view, it doesn't matter how the goals come about. We just want to get out of this league. And, you know, there's always going to be a desire to have Paul Mullen scoring many goals we can. And we'd love to see him up on that list. But 
as long as we get promoted, that will solidify it. And again, in Paul Mullins sort of what works against him is that it is non-league goals for him, all entirely, sure. a couple of cup goals here and there. But he needs trophies to go along with it because even if he was to outscore someone like Connolly or Bennett, Whittle, you know, people will say, but Paul Muller never got you promoted. He never won trophies. Yeah, that's fair. That will always be used against him and it will be used against everyone in this team. We, we've spoken about this great Wrexham team and it's a team of great potential, but it is only potential. They've not won the league yet. They've not won anything. So there's still so much hard work to do and, you know, at the end of this era, we'll be able to look back fairly and see what they've achieved. But I do feel like debates like this will always be... The, the players who haven't won trophies will always be at a disadvantage. Yeah, it, it is a tricky one. I remember I spoke to Mickey Thomas a while ago and, you know, he... I think he was a little bit frustrated when he asked a young fan what, you know, what their... I don't know how young the fan was, but he Mickey asked... Got a, Mickey, well, I mean, Mickey got frustrated me the other week, actually, because... Oh, really? In the doghouse? No, not the doghouse. I sent you the picture, myself and Mickey at Old Trafford. Sure. Um, I think it was United's, United's last game before the World Cup. Uh, Villa at home in the Carabao Cup. Myself and Mickey had a great chat for about 20 minutes in the press, uh, just in the press box at Old Trafford. Really nice to see him. We had some jokes and stuff. And I was telling Mickey how great it was to be a Rex and Fat moment. And he was saying the same, how much he's loving it and, and going to games. And I was saying, for me, this is the best, you know, atmosphere. I can't ever remember crowds being this good and he was saying oh in my day we had proper crowds <laughs> then you you might think this is good but it gets a whole lot better and Mickey was saying you know the team are doing well now but I think you need to put some respect on the teams he was part of because yeah there you go you can only judge what you've seen in your lifetime I suppose but so, so there you go so, you, so you've upset so you, you've had a you've had a pick and mix fiasco at Fulham and now you're now you're being accused of disrespecting teams upset and my, and, and upset my idol by not giving him what? the respect yeah. he deserves. It's absolute chaos you're causing. Um, but yeah, Mullin, you know, it, it's it's the he's got everything to his game though. You saw against Aldershot the chipped finish where he breaks away. That's a brilliant finish. Like you say, he's on penalties. The one at Oldham really sticks out there in terms of a last minute winner. He's got that kind of poachers finish. I saw some people saying. To, was it on the space that was saying he got two and a half goals? I mean, surely we're not taking that first one away from him. He, I'm sure he definitely got a touch on it. Been a big debate this week about sensors in balls, and especially with Ronaldo, did he get his goal? So I'm sure they're not going to be bringing that into the National League anytime soon. It'd be interesting, and also for Moen Rich, it's something to work towards. You know, another 42, as you said, another 40, sorry, and then he'll be in the top 10 all time Wrexham scorers. So you know, will he get one at Coventry? Who knows? If he can if he can get a brace at Coventry and send us through to the fourth round, um, that'll only add to his cult hero status because as much as it's not that glamour draw, going back to that game, as much as it's not the glamour draw, it's not it's not an impossible tie to win. So, you know, will they rotate their squad? Will they will they rest some of their key players? Who knows? I, I'm excited for it. I think it'll be you know, I love the cup and I mean you both love the cup. It it's what serves up some of the great memories. Stoke is what seven years ago now, Brighton even longer, a decade ago. It's uh, it's great, and um, you know people still talk about Brentford and and all the games like that. So yeah, bring on the cup. I, I don't think it's a distraction anyway. If you want to say the trophy is is where we rotate, I'll, I'll agree with you. But FA Cup, let's go for it. You know, let's go for it as long as we can. We saw Boreham Wood get to round five last year. Yes, I want to get promoted, but look, you know, let's also give the cup a go. Why not? Exactly, and I think as well from the Coventry game, 
it's a chance for our best players to prove why they are really League One quality because we say it every week. We know how good Hayden, Palmer, Mullen are, sort of as the holy trinity of this Wrexham team. This is a chance for them to pit themselves against championship players and say, yeah, we, we could be playing at your level. We're not, but we could be. We are as good as, as people say we are, and it's a chance to prove that. Lots of people from the outside will probably look at Wrexham and say, yeah, Paul Mullen's a great striker, but he still is only playing a non-league. Do you know what I mean? He has, he still has that point to prove. And uh, yeah, bring it on, bring it on. I'm uh, the more I think about it, the more pleased I am in a way because it is that free hit. It's that chance to go out there and just nothing to lose. Who cares? The priority is always the league. But for one day, why can't we just embrace the FA Cup? Try get that giant kill in. You know, Coventry won the cup in 1987. It would be a huge upset if we went there and beat them. Mm. They've always sort of been a top two tier team as well. Historically, Wrexham haven't played them since 1994. Two-legged tie in the, the League Cup, which I think was, was it maybe still the Worthington Cup then? I know that's always sort of a way of you how you, how you can age a football fan, what they refer to the League Cup as. Maybe some people, was it, did it used to be the Milk Cup as well? Carling Cup, Capital One Cup, Carabao Cup. They've had it all. But um, yeah, go, go for it. Go for it. I'm looking forward to the trip to commentary and just, you know, watching a Wrexham game where it ultimately the result doesn't really matter. And we can just go have a great day out and just see what happens. Naif, I also wanted to read out a really wonderful email we received this week from long-time listener of the podcast, long-time Wrexham fan, Nigel Coulton. I think we've spoken about in the past, he's been undergoing radiotherapy and, and chemotherapy, but we are delighted and really moved to say that after five years, he is finally cancer-free. He sent his email this week saying that this time last year, I was only given 30% chance of surviving secondary liver cancer. And now 12 months later, I'm officially cancer free. He said thank you to us for doing the podcast, but that pales in insignificance. And big shout out to everyone in the tech end that have helped him get through this. Um, the, the tech end family who have supported him in so many ways. He also said massive thanks to Rexon for the pain, sorrow and escapism they have given me while I've been fighting my battles. His words were, I think the positive news will continue as we push for promotion and go deep into the FA Cup. Nigel, don't thank us. The pleasure is all ours. We are delighted to hear you are now cancer-free. And if there's anything we can do, then please do let us know. And I'm sure all Wrexham fans feel the same. So just wanted to say that superb news. And yeah, all the best, Nigel, going forward. And all the best to any of you out there as well who might be going or undergoing any sort of similar issues or whatever if there's anything we can do or any messages you'd like to have read out of token gestures we can do then please please do let us know robryanred at gmail.com rich i thought we could play a bit of a game where i test you on your your coventry wrexham knowledge so i've got 15 players and i want you to tell me and, and the listeners can play along as well you know I'm, i'll leave a little bit of a gap to, before you get your answers and uh, let us know if they played for both. They just played for Wrexham or they just played for Coventry. All right. Pretty, pretty clear. 
see how you get on. Some what of them will be obvious, some of them, some of them less so. All right, first up is a certain Mr. Deli Adebola. Did he play for both Wrexham or Coventry? I mean, Deli Adebola is a... That's a difficult one. I feel like he played for a lot of clubs um, during his career. I remember him predominantly from Rochdale, I think, um, before he played for Wrexham. I'm going to say he just played for Wrexham. Okay. I'll tell you what, actually, I'll, I'll let you go through and then I will give you the answer at the end. So I'm going to write down that you said he just played for Wrexham. Okay, so next up, Dior Angus. So another striker, far more recent. Did Dior Angus play for Wrexham, Coventry or both? I'm going to say both. You'll say both on, uh, on, on Dior. Dior. Perfume and steak, yeah. Perfume and steak. Next one, Andy Morell. Mozart, Coventry boy, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You've gone for both on that one. Um, next one, Chris Blackburn. Coventry, Wrexham or both? I, I only remember him from Wrexham. So I'm going just Wrexham on that one. Just, just Wrexham. All right, next up, we've got Danny Pugh. We've got Coventry, Wrexham, or both. This probably isn't the most exhilarating podcast for people listening. No, hey, look, people like a bit of trivia, though. You know what I mean? If people like a bit of trivia, I've come up with the names. I'd be interested because there's someone here that will know, as you say, Moza, fairly straightforward one, but the others, head scratchers. And I thought, why not? This week, we've had the bad news we're going to get on to about Jordan. And maybe what that means. I'm trying to I'm trying to lighten the mood a bit with a bit of trivia, Rich. Mate, Danny Pugh, re- what do we I reckon? Do not, I don't remember him playing for Wrexham unless it would have been late 2000s, like 08, 09. Um, Coventry, Wrexham or both? I swear he's playing in the Premier League in like 08 or, or 12. I swear he's playing. He definitely played for Stoke in the Premier League, which would have been right. like 2010. I don't remember him playing for us since 2013. So I'm going to say just Coventry on Danny Just Pugh. Coventry. Okay, next one. He used one. to play for United, didn't he, Danny Pugh? Yeah, that's the one. That's why I chucked okay. it in there. Um, Gavin Ward. Some of these are going to be guessing, but Gavin Ward. Gavin Ward. I'm going to say he played for... <sighs> I'd be fascinated to know if people are getting these. People are screaming out as they... As they just... Uh... Just Wrexham, I'll say for Gavin just, Ward. You want to just go for Wrexham, okay? Yeah. We've got next one, Jordan Thompson, a more recent player now. Uh, in uh, well, he definitely in, played in for Wrexham. Decade. Did he play for Coventry as well? Was the question? That's what I mean. Did he play for Wrexham? Is what some people would be asking as well, <laughs> isn't it? Um, I'm gonna say. I'll say both. I'll say both on Jordan. You'll Thompson. say both, okay? We've got a couple more then. Um, Dan Holman. You play for Wrexham, Coventry, or both? Just Wrexham, I'm saying, on Dan Holman. Um, you go just Wrexham. Remember Rexham him scoring on... a goal against us for old... Was it older shot? I remember Dan we Hol- had him. Dan it was incredibly frustrating because he just never got played by Kevin Wilkins. Yeah, he Kevin just Wilkins never got a chance, did he? Um, and then I remember he... I think we loaned him to older shot and he scored against us. I'm pretty sure... He went to Cheltenham and he lit it up for them and they, they ended up going Oh, on. no, well, he, but, ne- yeah. he was never never played for it. We never signed him, did we? He was on loan at us. On loan, yeah, on loan. Yeah, on loan. well, it was that season. We had him on loan and then we let him go back to, was it Colchester? And then, the, like, second half of the season, he came back to the race course and scored for Aldershot. I think we won that game. It was FA Cup, if I remember. 
but yeah, he, he, he was a frustrating one. I'm going to say he just played, what do I say? Just Wrexham. He's, he's just gone for Wrexham. Okay, he's yeah. gone for Wrexham. Um, Jordan Maguire Drew. Let's say both. Let's say both you'll, for Jordan you'll, Maguire Drew. You'll go with both. All right, so a couple more to go. I'd be fascinated if you're screaming these out. Let us know. You can get in touch with us, robryanred at gmail.com or on the socials, robryanred across all the socials as well. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, you name it. We're on all of those. Facebook. Uh, who else have we got on here then? Kemi Augustine Rich. Wrexham, Coventry oh, or both? Uh, I only remember Kemi from Hartlepool away when he made his debut. I think Anthony Spiro made his debut as well. What a team Manchester... that was. I went with the Manchester Reds. Uh, it was an iconic, infamous away day. Fantastic. Shout out to Guy Walker, who does listen, I think, most weeks. He's been in Qatar watching the World Cup. Uh, absolute legend. And we are trying to organise a minibus to Coventry as well, the Manchester Reds. So fingers Lovely crossed that, that that one comes through. Kemi Augustine, I only remember him from Swansea and Wrexham, so I'm going to say just Wrexham. Just Wrexham. All right. Who else have we got in here? Kevin Thornton. What was his nick- nickname? I think we had, it came up on a Bagpuss as his nickname. Yeah. Bagpuss. There you go. I, 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 I'm I, going to say just Wrexham, Kevin Thornton. I can't remember too much about his career post just or pre-Wrexham, to be honest. All right. Andy Marriott, goalkeeper Ooh. extraordinaire. I'm gonna... We're down to the we're down to the final three here, so okay. you nearly say... out your misery. Yeah, I'm probably gonna say both on Andy Marriott. Both, okay. Just so goalkeepers tend to have loaded loans and stuff, don't they? Yeah, they do loads of loans. So we've got two left, and then I'll run you through the answers. We've got Tyler Garrett. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say just Wrexham for Tyler. Just Wrexham for Tyler Garrett, and finally we've got Andy Marshall, Coventry, Wrexham, or both. Andy Marshall, I can't... I mean, this might be me showing my age, but I cannot remember an Andy Marshall. I'm going to say just Coventry on him. Just Coventry. I think you've done quite well here, mate. I'm going to run you through the answers. Uh, I think you've done pretty well. So let us know uh, how you got on. As I say, I've, I've given you the email and the socials. Let us know. It's, It'll be the, yeah, it's to the know. quiz everyone's talking about, isn't it? It is. I don't know. A bit of fun, I thought. You know what? So here you go. Deli Adibola, you said just played for Wrexham. He played for both. <laughs> Coventry was on his resume. No, but Dior Angus, you said, played for both. Now, this is a little bit of a trick question because he is born in Coventry but never played for Coventry. So he was just Wrexham. I presume so he's in the youth ranks. Of such. Yeah, no, he came through the youth ranks of Solihull Moors. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, the famed there you go. academy. Andy Morell, as you as you know, he's going to be a busy man, Mozza has played for both, as you said he did. Um, you know, very famous, as we said, top 10 scorer all time for Wrexham and, you know, always keeps Coventry fond in his heart uh, when he's been doing commentary and stuff. Chris Blackburn, you said just played for Wrexham. You are correct, did just play for Wrexham. Danny Pugh, you were right, you were bang on the money there, Rich, to be fair. I thought that might have uh, thrown you a little bit with the Premier League knowledge. He did just play for Coventry. Um, so that one didn't catch you out. But what did catch you out, Gavin Ward. Played for both. You said he just played for Wrexham. Jordan Thompson, correct for you again there. Jordan Thompson has played for both Wrexham and Coventry. Uh, who else have we got? Dan Holman, as you said correctly, just played for Wrexham. No spell uh, in Coventry not for yet. Dan Holman. No, not yet. Could get him signed Ke- up. Kemi Augustine, you were right. Again, I thought his host of clubs might have tempted you to say he played for Coventry as well, but he just played for Wrexham. Uh, not the most memorable of spells, that one. 
Uh, Kevin Bagpus Thornton, you said he played just for Wrexham. He has, in fact, played for both. Commentary fans will also know Kevin Thornton. Jordan Maguire drew you right bang on the money, played for both. Uh, incredibly, he had flashes for us. I remember going to Maidenhead away when Jordan Maguire drew scored a rocket away at Maidenhead and uh, Sam Ricketts was in charge. But yeah, incredibly frustrating. away. Uh, I was there the as well. They got promoted, and Jordan Maguire drew got a lot of stick from the Wrexham fans that day. Um, he got that was credit. Was he, was he playing for Boreham? Was he not playing? Was he playing for Lake Norian that day or not? Or did he not join? Yeah, he was. Um, right, right. Because I think did he leave Wrexham because he was homesick? Or something. That was that what that was. That was what people were saying. People, I feel like people were chanting about his his mum. People, maybe? people were chanting "Mummy's boy" at him. Which that, yeah, was a, it? Yeah, you know. Fair it was. It, it wasn't the most. Uh, it wasn't the most enjoyable day out. That we took quite a few, but it was on TV, and we took. Yeah, we lost one nil. I think we took about six, like six or seven hundred for a midday kickoff in London. It was, it was, was on it TV. Was a good effort. Good Which, effort. Again, it's one of those games where when people say, "Oh, you only support Wrexham because they're good now," that was one of the games where, you know, we. Were, I think we were going for playoffs that season, and it did feel like a big game, but. It certainly was another day in which Wrexham fans showed their class. Going to London for a midday kickoff that's on TV anyway. Yeah, phenomenal effort. Yeah, you were with Ben, a friend of yours, and he, he was also at Oldham as well. So he's had some ups and downs with Wrexham as well. Uh, who else have we got in here then? Tyler Garrett, you were correct, Rich. Only played for Wrexham. He'd never, he's never managed to scale the heights of Coventry City. Andy Marriott, you were bang on the money with the goalkeepers, played for both. And who does that leave? Andy Marshall. I thought, to be honest, I thought if I throw you some names that sound like they might have played for Wrexham, you might have been tempted. But you were right, he just played for Coventry. So, all in all, I think you did pretty well there. I you think did, I did well. Did, had um, a solid, I think I had a solid turnout. Yeah, I mean, probably not a feature we'll be bringing back every week, but a good, good feature. I mean, I mean, I mean, my point, my point, my point of doing it was that there's been a lot of crossover. I think people yeah. will immediately think of Moza, maybe Big, Big Den. I'd love to speak to Dennis Lawrence ahead of that game. Who knows? Never say never. But, um, you know, the point being there's lots, loads more that I could have put on there. Jordan Ponticelli, uh, Jamie Record had a spell at Coventry. Who else is there? Let me. I'm, can you think of anyone else? There's loads, basically, is my point of um, players. Well, I'm annoyed you didn't both. say that um, Stuart Bevan. Stuart Bevan, that's um, I make James's favourite ever Wrexham chant to the tune of, um, is it Tears in Heaven by the Choir yeah. Boys or something? There you go. We've we've got Bevan instead of Tears of Heaven. Um, Lee Fowler, obviously well known at Wrexham, um, he played for Coventry. As did Kwame Thomas, less well known. I'd say Adam Barton. Did he Can actually play say, for Wrexham? I mean, this is a throwback for some maybe um, older Wrexham fans. What what happened to Bevanology, the Twitter account? Do you remember Bevanology? Bevanology? I have no recollection of that. Bevanology. It was like a Stuart Bevan fan account. Someone had dedicated <laughs> their account. Their, their, their handle was Bevanology. And it's a great handle, actually. I like that. Stuart Bevan, but... <sighs> Surely oh, well. that's... Who's that become now? Who's the Stuart Bevan of this group? Do we have one? Sam Dolby? It could be, yeah. Of... I mean, who knows? Who knows? Dolbyology. Um, I don't know if that works. But let us that's... know. If you were the person behind Bevanology, let us know. I, I, finally, I was going to say Stephen Wright. I think he's coaching now, but he also had a spell at Coventry City. So loads of Wrexham and, and um, loads of Wrexham Coventry crossover, which is my point. Uh, 
I mean, we didn't really get onto it in the post Farnborough chat, but obviously Jordan Davis's injury now, Naif, it is a massive yeah. blow to a Wrexham side already low on creative options in midfield. Are you of the train of thought that we need to go and get someone new in? And if so, do you see that as a loan move or do you see it as just buying someone either on a short-term deal or until the end of the season? I say you do need to make a move because, you know, God forbid, touch wood, touch my desk now, that if anything happens to Elliot Lee, you are, I think, disastrously short of options. I get, you know, we've seen before, I think you could play Tom O'Connor up there, but it's not really like for like. Jordan gets a lot of criticism, but I think it is one of the most talented players in the entire squad, and that's up there with Mullin, um, with Lee. You know, Davis would be in my start, in my strongest eleven. Um, personally, that's just me. Um, and so, you know, him being out for three months, I got a text the day after, well, the, the night of the Farnborough game, the injury, and there was talk of a dislocated knee and it had been popped back in and they were hopeful that it maybe wasn't as bad as they first feared. And I think the first fear, you know, Parky's come out since and said when Kevin Mulholland, physio, went onto the pitch, there was an immediate concern that it was really, really bad. And I think the original fear was that it was an ACL injury. As you said before, that would have been nine months, probably minimum out. So it isn't that, but it's it's a real blow for Jordan. You know, I think he's had rotten luck this season. Really, he hasn't been able to to get that consistent run. Got a lot of assists early doors, but has kind of struggled for injury since then. And and now, you know, now three months out, and um, and also he missed that he missed the Dublin night out. He couldn't fly with a brace on on his knee. So. Yeah, real shame. He's, he, he suffered ligament damage, and I think you have to now go make a move. And, and to to your point, I I would look at a loan. I would look at the loan market. I don't know if Parky has made a single loan signing yet, has he? I mean, was no Lee Camp wasn't a loan. Rory Watson's not a loan. I'm trying. No, they're to just kind of like unattached. You know, called about yeah. Park. They're not. They're not loan signs. And again, you cover football as do I. Higher up the pyramid. I've seen some people saying let's get a Premier League loan. Not for me. Not for oh, me. I, I think I think I think we looked at it, didn't we? And, you know, we, we don't have any intel on names or anything like that. It's still very very early doors. But somebody like I know Stockport wanted him permanently in the summer, and Hall said no. You want somebody of the mould of Andy Cannon, who came to the racecourse and bossed the game, didn't he, in that trophy semi final? Someone ready made to plug in into that midfield. Exactly. And you're, you're a team who are going for promotion. You need someone who's got experience. And you, I mean, an ideal world, you go out and you get Dobra or Rodriguez from Chesterfield or Notts County. That is not going to happen. Those two Why? would be incredible, wouldn't they? Dobra would be phenomenal. Dobra's one, one, one of those. the most impressive players I've seen this season out of all but, the games. But I've why watched. can't Wrexham go out and get a really hot? talented attacking midfielder that you know it, it depends on longevity and the promises you're making to them I mean you've already got Elliot Lee and you've already got Jordan who are two very different players obviously Jordan hopefully back sort of February time anyway so February March so it's a long time to be without a player of his quality I think first of all Jordan is he's had a difficult season in part because he's compared to his ridiculous output from last year, which is in the numbers he was hitting last season were ridiculous. Were ridiculous. And and to keep that up is just unfair to, to compare him with that, I think. And I think he's almost going to have the Luke Young effect, that when Jordan's not there, people will appreciate just what it is he does to the team. He His passing range is fantastic for this level. He's got that creative spark. He's so good from set pieces. 
um, not only delivering them into the box, but he's got the aerial threat. I've said it before. He There are elements to his game of sort of this lightweight Gareth Bale in terms of what he can do uh, from set pieces in the air. His output from midfield, I think he's fantastic. He's got the versatility as well. Such a good player. And the embodiment of this Wrexham team and a player the fans can all get behind. So obviously we wish Jordan the, the speediest of recovery and want him back as soon as possible. For me, I just don't think he can go for the... I, I would be disappointed, and I hope this comes back to haunt me if it happens. I would be disappointed if we went and got a Premier League development under-23s, under-21 player in, because this is... It isn't a case of, oh, we want to get promoted. We have to get promoted this season. We need someone who can come in, take to the dressing room straight away, won't be phased by the pressure that's on them. We need someone who's experienced already for me. And yeah, we both said, didn't we, on the chat yesterday when we were on WhatsApp, Andy Cannon, someone in that mould, someone even from like a League One, even League Two side. We've seen, did Ash Palmer just leave Stockport? Has he gone to Chesterfield? He's gone to Chesterfield. I mean, look, you know, this week I've Someone who's already got promoted, though. I posted a picture, Rich. I posted a picture. I mean, I'm not not joking now. What about someone like Jordan Maguire, Drew, again? I mean, I'm not saying him, but he's just got promoted with Grimsby. Grimsby, yeah. I I think someone who knows how to get out of this league... I was going to give you another name, though. I was going to say, what about, and maybe people will say he's, 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 he's passed it or whatever, but he was wearing WXM, Oli Palmer's Wrexham clothing line the other day. What about Johnny Williams at Swindon? You know, is that is that is that one where, a bit over the hill now, or, or could he come in and do a job at, at National League level? You look I mean, at he came someone across else, I mean... so well in Sunderland until I died, didn't he? He's played 16 games this season, though, for Swindon. I'm not sure that they'd be in a position to, to get rid. He's only 29 still as well. I'm, I'm just... I'm not sure they would get rid of him. I, I think. I mean, I mean, look, there's there's other there's others in there. Particularly, I, I work with a guy who um, follows Northampton Town closely. Sam Hoskins at Northampton Town, you know, is one of the best sort of cams attacking midfielders in League Two. So if you do go and make a permanent signing, for example, I love Tom Pett, a CDM at Port Vale in League One. You know, I know there's Brad Walker. Is Brad Walker getting many games? I don't know off the top of my head if he's is playing regularly for Port Vale, but that's one. On the Wrexham fans we've had him before, you know, I'm sure they would love to get back again. For me, Rich, I, I wouldn't mess with the Luke Young, James Jones tandem. I think that I think that fi- I think that's fine and works. So do I, you I can still see... want a direct replacement then for Jordan? You want an attacking midfielder? I would on a on a loan if I could. Um I if I could get something in that because I think, all right, Andy Cannon played a bit deep, but I think you could play further forward. If I can just get somebody that can really compete with Elliot Lee and, and and genuinely like could compete for a first team place, I think it's worth it. Um I, I think I think it's worth it because even even if it's a even if even if you make it a permanent deal, Rich, I know it's not that's not ideal for Jordan and and you know, his road back into the team would be be dip, trickier then if we went and signed one. We we can't have room for sentiment now. We've just got to get out of the league because as you as you can see, once you're out You'd be able to flourish and 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 you know the, a lot can happen when you're out of the league so we have to capitalize if we're still top going into january i know we're not bound by transfer windows now but if we're still top i think we've really got to really got to do, go for it and i don't know do you do you go for a flutter on joe spara at, at solly hall you know i know parky called him previously before we end up getting elliot lee do you go back in for someone like that you know um or at people at this level, do you just focus on pinching? Do you try and, and see what it'll take to get a Dobra or a Rodriguez? You know, is Rodriguez out of contract in the summer? 
feel like he might be a free agent in the summer, so it's interesting. Nath, York away this weekend. You will be making the trip there. I should probably be too hungover from a night out on Friday night. But it's an interesting one. Uh, York Margulis understands, you know, they're still in search of, of this new manager. You've been getting the view from the opposition camp, though, haven't you, ahead of the game this weekend? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm very interested to know what your night out plans were. But yeah, before we maybe touch on that, uh, Jacob Kilbride of York Press, stories came out on Wednesday that Sam Hurd from Bolton, a Bolton coach, has turned down the job. So they, as it stands, they will be without a new manager for the trip to Wrexham. As you know, in football, things can change fast. But what I thought, I'd get Jacob to come on the podcast and give us a bit of background on particularly what's going on off the pitch. And there's a lot of there's a lot of frustration around the sacking of John Askey, as we mentioned on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and and definitely towards the ownership. You know, fans have a 49% stake, and I think it's Glenn Henderson um, has a 51% stake, and a lot of frustration and who knows, there may even be protests this weekend in front of the BT Sport camera. So here is what Jacob had to tell me about the situation around York. Jacob, then, York away for us this weekend. Jacob works for York Press, as we've already said in the intro. Um, a, a weird one, because we're top of the league and flying and good spirits and, you know, we're heading into the festive... We're in a, we're in a festive mood, we're going to the Christmas markets and all that sort of stuff. York... Not in the best of moods, it seems. Like, what's happening off the pitch at the minute? We saw John Askey get the boot. Is there a new manager in place? What, what's what's happening? Uh, so, just to answer the next question, there's not uh, as things stand at the minute on uh, Wednesday afternoon. There isn't a new manager mm. in place. Not a new. Uh, um, uh, Tim Ryan, the youth team coach, he'll be in the dugout uh, as things stand for, for York. But yeah, it, it's. Uh, I guess it's quite a quite a long story and I'll try not to bore you too much with it but it all seems to stem well John Askey's sacking all seems to stem from um, you know a clash of personalities between him and the chairman of the club Glenn Henderson so York City got promoted last season John Askey completely turned the club around when he took over in November um, I don't think anybody thought that promotion was possible at that point when City was sort of dwelling in the table uh, and Askey completely turned things around really and, and got the club promoted through the playoffs and since then since being you know back in the National League results have been fantastic you know they were in the playoffs very briefly I think in October um, they've constantly been in the top half of the table when they were managed by Askey but I think there's always sort of been tensions behind the scenes it seems um, I think um, so it all sort of stemmed from a Q&A that Glenn Henderson did on Radio York a few weeks back um, and he he I guess really didn't publicly back John Askey at all openly talked about how um, certain Northern League teams played better football than York City um, and, you know, sort of didn't really show any public support for John Askey despite the fans being completely supportive of the manager. Um, so York go and then go on a run of six games without defeat, um, without a win, sorry, uh, and then Askey is, in, is announced that he's he's been sacked. So John Askey then does an interview 
um, with the radio and explains that Glenn Henderson, the chairman, had been meddling, that he'd spoken to players about whether they were happy with the style of play, um, that he'd been meddling in terms of, you know, just being very involved in first-team matters. Um, so, And there was also tensions behind the scenes, it seems, in terms of the finances as well. So John Askey thought that they had a mid-table budget. Glenn Henderson thought it was more than that. Um, there's also disagreements about funds to bring in a new striker, which Askey had spoken about for a while. So, yeah, I think it's it, it's certainly very... It's very strange in terms of currently Yorker far beyond the expectation of the fans and yet they're without the um the fans without the manager that you know everyone loved and supported really so yeah it's a very strange situation but um i guess it makes for good copy for us and 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 uh yeah plenty of plenty of stories and plenty of drama really yeah a journalist dream really plenty of plenty of stories and drama Guy Mowbray, the BBC commentator, obviously a well-known York fan, and he tweeted something, I haven't got it in front of me, but he, he was tweeting something about, you know, looking at his Supporters Trust membership and, you know, what how involved are the fans? Because I think for Wrexham fans who aren't aware, you know, the fans are involved, aren't they, in, in the running of the football club through the, through the Supporters Trust? Yeah, so the Supporters Trust for a long while had a 25% stake in the club um, having pre, pre, the, set, the other 75 was owned by Jason McGill who was fair to say, you know a divisive chairman who you know sort of ostracised the supporters um, trust in the running of the club then in July um, the supporters trust and Glenn Henderson took over the club so Henderson has a 51% stake and the supporters trust have a 49% stake and Henderson and Alistair Smith at the start with the two board members Alistair Smith is a is a trust board member so I think that's sort of where a lot of the anger has come from in terms of this decision in terms of the supports trust seemingly having such a big role in the club you know lots of good talk around I guess you know transparency fan representation all these sorts of things and then the decision to sack John Askey is announced and I don't think I've read a single comment of anybody saying that any supporter saying that this is supported the decision. So I think that's where so much of the frustration has come from the fans, obviously directed at Henderson for falling out with Askey and, you know, not being able to maintain a professional relationship and I guess not backing arguably the best manager in 10 years. And also frustration at the trust for not reflecting the views of the supporters at all, really, in terms of the big decisions at the club. So, um, yeah, plenty, plenty going on behind the scenes. Is there any chance at the weekend then that there are demonstrations against Henderson or, you know, where any frustrations, you know, come about, whether the fans make that clear, whether it's chance or protest or, or anything like that? Yeah, I would, well, I would certainly imagine that, 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 again, there'll be lots of chanting against Glenn Henderson and against the board. Um, you know, obviously, take what you read on social media with a pinch of salt in terms of, of taking that and broadening that out to all supporters but I mean I constantly read calls for all the board members to resign after this decision to sack John Askey um, so yeah I'd be very surprised if there's not chance again and then at the last home game I can't quite remember it was against off the top of my head but the last home game the um, Y front fanzine that um, that one supporter runs he created a sort of a red covered fanzine and I think it was after six minutes seven minutes um, lots of spotters stood up and pointed those fanzines at, at Glenn Henderson to sort of show their um, 
the disclosure really at the decision. So, yeah, I, I, it's hard to say whether there'll be protests or not because I don't think there's mm. any sort of organising body behind it or anything like that. But um, sort of towards the end of the Jason McGill era, uh, tennis balls were thrown onto the pitch at a couple of games to stop stop the match and you know create even more noise in the in the sort of stands and I guess create media coverage really. Um, it's on BT on BT Sport, yeah. isn't it? So you know there's an yeah. opportunity where you know we're not always on BT Sport and and you know for any fans who feel particularly strongly it is an opportunity to get that wider recognition, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where. Obviously, it, it, you know this game comes pretty quickly after, um, well, fairly quick, quickly after the decision to sack John Askey. But like you said, this is a TV TV match, um, and York haven't had many of those since been promoted. I think this is the first TV match they'll have had at the new stadium as well. So, um, and they're expecting a big crowd as well. Obviously, with the, the fans that Wrexham will be bringing. So, um, I think that's. Apparently, some of the logic behind potentially protesting—it's—it's it's hard to say mm. what or if if anything will happen or what the scale of it will be. To be honest, but I mean, yeah, I'd be surprised if it's not chanting, and you know, it wouldn't surprise me if there were, you know, um, demonstrations, protests, banners, that sort of thing. It's the first time we'll be, you know, Bootham Crescent was was you know a staple for these non-league away days. It's not mm. the case anymore. New ground. Any anything we can expect from the new ground? I mean, how have how have York sort of settled in there since since you've been? Because like for us, it'll be a whole new experience for those coming up. Yeah, um, I guess if you for any spots that weren't to be present, it's probably the opposite. Um, to be honest, um, from a, a media perspective, speaking probably selfishly, there's a lot more legroom and actual <laughs> plug socket power and that sort of thing. So that's yeah. uh, an, um, but yeah, no for supporters and I guess in terms of how York has settled in. Um, obviously, in terms of where York's based, you know, Bourbon Crescent was right in the city centre, really walkable from the train station, and the new stadium is a little bit further out of the city centre, probably a, a bus ride or a taxi ride out of um, the city centre, really. So, I think there were certain fears at the start about, you know, would attendances go up and rise, but they have done really. Um, you know, they've broken a number of attendance records have been broken. Um, since moving into the stadium and obviously with the promotion run at the end of last season and um, and some of the big games I think it was Oldham earlier this season broke um, uh, a certain attendance record so yeah it's it's um, it's certainly boosted crowds massively um, and yeah it doesn't quite have the same amount of pubs around the ground as you know as, as, as York City Centre does but um, you know the number nine bus, which is outside the train station, is a you know it takes you up to the new ground in fifteen minutes, and there's I mean a fair amount going on around the stadium in terms of restaurants and things like that, but perhaps not the sort of atmospheric pub city uh, atmosphere of Birmingham Crescent. But yeah, no, it's, it's certainly made plenty of noise. Uh, the fans inside have made plenty of noise there, so yeah, hopefully be a good atmosphere on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, lastly, it's eight games without a win, I think that is, for, for York. And Wrexham are 12 games unbeaten. I mean, is it going to be a straightforward? Is, is there a chance that York can pull something off? I mean, I would be very surprised if, if, that, was, if that was the case, given, uh, given what you just said there. Yeah, I think... Yeah, it's, it's hard to see... It's hard to see York win. I think, as I explained, I haven't seen 
City week in week out for for a while, but they look pretty short on confidence. You know, up front goal, goals has been a big problem. Um, and yeah, the playing the best. That, that, that's the... it, isn't it? Up, up front, it seems like you know we, a lot of us will have known Lionel John Lewis, seen him at Grimsby yeah. and, and other places. But and there's a lot of talk as well about Fraser Kerr at the back. But it, it looks like up front there's there's a real lack of options, which is probably going to come back and bite me now when Lionel gets a hat trick on Saturday. But it's <laughs> uh, it, it does look like that was the bone of contention for Askey as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Um... I can't remember if I mentioned earlier, but John Askey was pushing a lot for a new striker to come in and provide competition for John Lewis or play alongside him. Uh, and that was sort of a, a sticking point between him and Henderson, the chairman. So, yeah, I think if it's one of those, isn't it? I think if Lionel John Lewis doesn't score the goals, it's hard to see where else they come from. Um, and I guess, you know, as well, they're playing the best team in the league in, in Wrexham and with all their firepower up front. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to see. It's hard to see um, a home win on Saturday, but I guess big crowd, big atmosphere. You know, potentially, you know, it, you know, the protest might not come off, and it might be the team say, "Let's get behind the team for this massive occasion," and they're able to pull off um, a big result. But um, yeah, it would it would certainly be a shock. That that's uh, that would to, yeah, to say the least. So, Rich, as you could see, that as you could hear there, all is not well at York. And I don't know, while while they're on a, is it eight-game winless run and Wrexham on a 12-game unbeaten run, it, it, it doesn't mean a great deal, does it, when Wrexham go away from home? Not at all. And there's always going to be that pessimism in Wrexham fans' point of view that, well, their winless run could come to an end and what a way to change the mood by beating Wrexham, who are, who are you know, Heavy favourites for the game. Shall I bring out the form chart again? I know, I know, I do oh, every week. Go on, why not? York York City have the fifth worst home record out of any National League side this season. They've taken twelve points from a possible thirty at home this season. Wrexham now the fifth best away record, sixteen from a possible thirty as well. If you go back to the last ten games um, in the division, York City twenty second out of. 24th in, in the division, only six points out of a possible 30 um, in, in recent Yikes. games. So, you know, you don't want to be getting too cocky, but you, you would be saying Wrexham should be going there and doing it. And there is maybe for me a sense of similarity to that Scunthorpe away game in that, you know, Scunthorpe away was a game we were expected to win. We did win, but it still takes a lot of character, I think, to to actually go and do that. I know, was it Tommy Cowes got a few pelters on Twitter for saying Wrexham showed character by beating Scunthorpe and yeah, obviously the budget, yeah, yeah. etc. We are expected to win this, but as pessimistic Wrexham fans who have been <laughs> painfully hurt over the last few years, it still does feel like an achievement when you go and do it. But, you know, BT Sport cameras, uh, uh, there's, there is an extra element of pressure. Early kickoffs as well. I know every team will be doing that this weekend because of the World Cup but when is when is our when was our last TV game was it Woking away or have we had well, one Oldham at home was in the in the FA Cup was on TV and Farnborough at the yeah. weekend was I was just trying to think but... of, a league, of a league game that we did, we'd had on TV I, I, I couldn't yeah, tell yeah I think if, it probably was Woking, Woking away was. yeah 
So and look at Woking. Now they're flying. I mean, that was a 3-2 when Aaron Hayden scored twice uh, with his head. Two great headers and, and Ollie Palmer scored. Yeah, Woking um, fourth in the table. So. Never easy. Never easy, these TV games, Rich. It'll be a packed atmosphere. Wrexham's first trip to the new ground at York. So, I don't know. I think it's it's a game we really need to win because you've just got to try and keep keep Notts County behind you as, as best you can and hope that they slip up again because... Like I say, they'll be they'll be chopping and changing that position, but really York away, given all the adversity around that, we've we've got to kind of try and put the nail in the coffin. I think it, the problem is when you go for these sort of games, it does give me absolutely away vibes. Remember when they refused to warm up for the match and we were three 0 oh, down yeah. at half time? Was it? That, that was, was another one where I went to Ebbsfleet and I had some thirteen, fourteen year old lads uh, making uh, some rather offensive hand gestures in our lot's direction. It was when Dean Keats had gone and our playoff dream had officially gone up in smoke. I think Danny Kedwell scored their third goal. That's taking me back. It rained in in an open away end. I was soaked. I rang my dad and uh, yeah, I was starting to question my life choices. What what was uh, what was I doing in the dark? It must have was it a night game? I don't know what had happened, but either way, it, I just remember it being dark. We lost. I was soaked, and yeah, hopefully we never have to go back to Ebbsfleet for a long, long time. Nath, another important development this week, which we can't give too much certainty on because, like I said, the podcast being recorded at quarter to seven on Wednesday night, 30th of November, levelling up decision due this week. Uh, obviously, if that goes through, then all all hands to deck with the cop, which, you know, Sean Harvey's already said that ideally, we're, was it with a fair wind, we could have the cop in place for the start of the 24-25 season. You know, there's a lot of mitigation there. Lots of unforeseen things could happen. You know, was it with the renovation of the tech end we had certain screws or something weren't right? Or so there was some sort of hiccups weren't there along the way and that there will be, I'm sure, plenty of these with the cop, even if everything goes our way. But levelling up, if it's approved, which it hopefully will have been done by the time this podcast out, then obviously nothing changes. The cop goes ahead. Devil's Advocate, of course, the cop, Redevelopment isn't guaranteed to get this funding from the levelling up Wrexham no, Gateway sure. project. But I guess we're sort of preempting that that might not happen. And in that case, it would certainly be a blow for the club, but surely there's ways around it to get the cops still going ahead, even if there isn't this uh, government grant given. Rich, I'm I'm convinced that the cop happens regardless of if we get that money or not. You know, we've got they've gone so far now with releasing the plans and you know AFL architects based in Manchester I think they are you know busy at work we've seen crews come in I know there's been quotes I've heard from people who have been quoted different things to get the cop demolished it it will happen I think I think they just want the assistance of the leveling up fund you know there is an ambition I I know from speaking to people close to the council in Wrexham, Wrexham County Borough Council there is an ambition to invest in the local area beyond just the cop you know in terms of renovating the railway station and all that sort of thing as we saw on these plans it's just a case of are there schemes are there grants are there funds that can assist with that you know in a time where the real cost of living crisis and and money's tight for a lot of people um but i i I firmly do believe that if if we get the funding great brilliant news if we don't get it i think it's just a case of who's going to fit the bill 
you know, for example, will Robin Ryan just sign the check and get it, get it, get it done? Will there be a mix of council money and, and private funding? Will it be private funding from the side of Robin Ryan? Or do we look down the route of, I don't know, do we, do we set, do we kind of bank on making money back in terms of selling the naming rights to the cop end? The Rob Brown Red Cop, make? is that what you're saying? The, uh, the, we, need, we, we maybe need a couple more sponsorship deals and then we can look into the Rob Brown Red Cop. Um, but in all seriousness, Rich, I think, it, for me, I, I wouldn't be against... It's always going to be known as the Cop to people. So for me, why not just sell it and why not just sell the naming rights to the The Lucas end? Oil Cop, bring it back. Oh, no, the God. I can't believe that they never replaced the, the Lucas... I can't believe they didn't get a new sponsor in the end of the tech end. I'm amazed that... Cause we could got, make what, them an offer. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not sure what we can... I can probably offer them... I've, I mean, looking well, surely, around, I've got... Surely a pound's better than, than nothing. I've got, I've, got, I've got a couple... I've got some Japanese yen and a half-eaten bag of wine gums. So chuck them in as well if you want, as I'm clearing up here. Um, maybe, maybe one day, mate, the Rob Ryan Red Arena? Who knows? Um, but in all seriousness, do you not think that's a viable way to go in terms of selling the... I don't understand why you wouldn't now do that. In, I think, in yeah, terms it's of... a difficult one in, in modern football as well because there's been talk of it with Old Trafford for ages. And even stands if Old are different, Rich. Not selling the whole, not selling the well, name. Yeah, well, even know, I'm not saying the racecourse ground. I'm saying the stand. But even if you do, I mean, like Stoke City to me is always the Britannia. I know it's right. probably about three six five, or it's been renamed again now. You know, you you do just get these names in your head, don't you? And you're always going to have it like. In in Manchester, for example, everyone I know calls it the MEN Arena, the Manchester right. News Arena. It's not been that for about 10 years. It's like the AO Arena now, but everyone calls right, it the right. MEN Arena. So it's the same with a race course. I do understand protecting your heritage, etc., and, and that is important. And maybe it's just because I'm so used to to it with the Premier League that, you know, from my point of view... I would always call it the race course, even if it had its naming rights sold or, like you said, the I'm cop, saying, I'm saying, the I'm saying, end. don't sell. I'm saying, don't sell the naming rights to the race course. No, I know, its, I, its, I know, but, but I, I would say for that same, stand, I would. Argument, but I think there's a similar argument with both that you will always call it what you've known it as anyway. I mean, yeah. even when you look at the race course now, people call it maybe the Price Griffiths stand. You know, that. There's there's so much. I mean, the fact we call it a tech end every week. It's not the tech end. The tickets don't say the tech end. But for me, in my personal opinion, I know not all fans will agree, and they'll want things to to stay the way they were. I'm I wouldn't be worried. I, I wouldn't be. I personally wouldn't be against selling name rights to a stand if it meant we could fund the the cop or whatever. But you know, there's so much mitigation. And again. We might be idiots anyway because this. We might even have to cut this segment. You might never hear this segment because the leveling up could be granted or whatever before we publish the podcast. But you know that is one way, like you said, to to get extra revenue into the club. And I do think it is important, no matter what happens, that there isn't just a bottomless pit of money. Having these owners and having you know what was it Hollywood sort of film money? Rob called uh, Ryan. Yeah, what did he say? He said he had TV money and then. You need Indeed. movie star money or something. Movie like that. star money. That doesn't mean that they can just keep on throwing millions and millions of pounds at this no, non league football not. club in North Wales that's not getting promoted. You know, they have to see some sort of return on their investment. Obviously the documentary, merchandise sales, etc., will help to do that. But we have to explore other ways to make the club self sustainable. And I think you've got to you know, it's what all football clubs do. You've got to almost embrace hospitality and commercialism. I know there'll be lots of maybe 
fans who think, you know, middle finger to all that, but it is for the majority of football clubs a, a big part of their sort of business plan. I mean, I, I, what I was going to say quickly on, okay, a couple of points. No one, at, is that is crumpet back again? I'm drinking water out my bottle. I, I thought I thought crump, I thought I thought Crumpet come come back into the room. Never mind. I, I know Crumpet the cat did make an appearance on the Twitter space. I was going to say a couple of points. As you say, the Macron. No one does anyone call it the Macron stand? Surely not. That that's always the Mold Road stand. I, 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 okay, the Wrexham Lager one's different. Um, I guess some people will still call that the Yale stand. I would just call that the Yale stand personally. Um, I don't know. Look, it, like you say, it could all be a redundant argument. If if we get the funding, the cot will be the cot. But it, it is a chance of serious investment. It'll be the it'll be the newest stand in the ground. You could potentially make a small fortune selling the naming rights to that stand. So I think it's got to be something they at least look into and explore. But I you know I know that that will spark a debate and and let us know if you think we're chatting rubbish on that and uh and, and it shouldn't be but on the issue of merchandise rich though you're talking about return on investment rob uh rob ryan actually did reply to a um i'll say a frequent tweeter about the lack of merchandise and um you know this this fan wrote you know merchandise is key club home shirt is a must get your supply chain to fast track an order of five thousand shirts asap yeah, Ryan can afford a few quid out of his allowance and sell them online, um, like Wrexham Lager did when I saw their Twitter post and I ordered one. And Ryan replied and put, "Wish it was that easy, but more than anything, I wish I had an allowance." He put, "Everything sold out so fast, we weren't expecting such a rush. Should have a lot more stock by early December." And I saw a couple of people reply and say that they've been into the shop and they're hearing second week of December. They're hoping for some more stock. So around the time of that Chesterfield game. Who knows? Could be it could be a rush on uh, a pre-Christmas rush on shirts. But it was really interesting to me that Ryan at least went public and and took group ownership, not just of himself, but you know people saying even they didn't anticipate the amount of demand. Even even with their kind of foresight of how good the documentary would do, they've been blown away by it. So on that merchandise front, I thought I would just give a give a nod to that because more is coming. But when that is exactly, we don't know. You just got to be on the ball. That's all I will say. Speaking of things that are on the way, Nath, the Wrexham way. Uh, I mean, we talk about we can't afford to sponsor a stand yet, but maybe once we uh, get the royalties from this uh, new song we're involved yeah. with. <laughs> well, in all seriousness, uh, Hypnotic, the Wrexham-based band who you will hear the stings of on, on the podcast, um, they're releasing a new song called The Wrexham Way. 100% of all streaming proceeds go to Nightingale House Hospice Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. in memory of the band's friend, Robin Bell, and that's why they use the record label Robin's Records as well. It's in memory of of Robin Bell. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled because in a few weeks that song will be getting its debut, and myself and they feature in it. And if you We're went to Oldham it. away, oh, if you were at Boundary Park, you feature in it as well because there's some fan audio in there. So that is called the Wrexham Way from Wrexham bass band Hypnotic, who who sponsor the podcast as well. Um, yeah, that is in memory of their dear friend Robin Bell. And yeah, we will hopefully have some new stings of that as well and give you a little taste of that in the weeks ahead. So keep your ears peeled, of course, and on social media, Rob Brown Red on just about every platform, robbrownred.com as well. There will be a new November review article out today by the time you're listening to this podcast as well. Thank you very much for your support as always. Now, I think we are just about out of everything this week, aren't we? Yeah, it's amazing that we get 
there's so much to talk about every single week that we get through so much. Um, but I'm excited for York, Rich. I'm going to say a 2-1 win. Yeah, I'm liking that. I'm liking that optimism. I do think we'll win. I don't think it will be pretty. I'm going to say 1-0 Wrexham. But I think we'll Oof. get there. And, you know, no matter what happens, we've just got to keep focusing on ourselves. Just keep plugging away. And we'll be just fine. Um, once again, best wishes to Jordan. Hope he is back playing yeah. as soon as possible. And thank you very much to you, wherever you are in the world, if you're a worldwide red or not, maybe from the local area, wherever you're from. It means so much to you that you join us every week on Rob Brown Red. As always, if you can give back to the podcast, the best way to do so is to like it, leave a review, hopefully a favourable one. And if not, tell a friend, tell someone who didn't listen to the podcast already. Just give us one week, give us one go and we'll take the rest from there. Thank you so much, wherever you are. Thank you, Nafe, again. Thank you to Hypnotic. Thank you to Red 10 People Development for making this podcast happen. Take care, and we'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.